All right, guys, welcome back to this episode of the Transfer Portal Podcast. I am Andrew. We are joined today by Doug, Ryan, and Adam C. We've got a really good episode for you guys today. We are talking about week seven. Uh, pretty hectic week. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about with the AP poll. Let's go around here. Doug, let's start with you, man. How are you doing this today? Doing well. Doing well. You know, dogs had a fairly comfortable win against a quality Kentucky team. So I'm relaxing. It's a bye week. My heart palpitations won't exist this week. So no complaints. Let's go over to the other let's go to the other dogs fan. Brian, how you how are you today, man? You and I, we went to a pretty good game uh, this weekend. Yeah, we did. It was a good it was a good weekend of, of college football. Uh you know, we had uh, obviously Georgia with a nice win. Um, you know, uh, a little bit, a little bit harder than 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 we're used to. I mean, but not much to complain. Uh, and yeah, we had a, we saw a hell of a game in UTSA. Uh, we could get that a little bit later, but that was that was fun. It was a good time, and uh, yeah, good for them. All right, Adam, man, how you doing today? Well, I'm glad y'all had a good weekend because I did not. Um, what football weekend for me? My Longhorns, we blew another double digit lead in the fourth quarter. NFL was bad. All my teams lost. Um, UH didn't play, so I didn't have the, my one silver lining. And they didn't even play this week. So it was a rough weekend for me. Well, man, remember, I was the one that was in the middle of that whole uh, Texas debacle this last Saturday. I'm sure I'm going to go into a little bit on that a little bit later. I had the blessing to go to two games, and to be honest, my body hates me for it, but a little bit more on that. Let's go start off with the AP Top 25. Pretty big changes went on. We obviously saw Iowa, huge dip. UTSA, huge shout-out to the runners, our Roadrunners, the official team of the Transfer Portal podcast, making their first ever appearance in the AP Top 25 at number, 20, at number 24, number 25 in the coaches poll. Let's just be honest, way long overdue. I've had them in my top 25 now for about three weeks now, three, maybe eh, two, three weeks. It's uh, long overdue. Uh, Brian, let's go over to you. Let's see what is something that you would say team too high, team too low, just basic takeaways that you got? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the, obviously you kind of touched it a little bit. You know, shout out to UTSA, man, for being a program, for being in the program for 10 years. Um, and they're, you know, already in the top 25. It's, it's incredible. Uh, it's good for them. They deserve it. Uh, they, they play, they play really good football. We saw it, you know, in person, um, you know, that they, they beat the, they beat the hell out of rice 45 to zero. So that was, so they definitely deserve that, that ranking, um, shout out Cincinnati. I'm really glad they're getting some recognition recognition. I was a little bit scared that, uh, when Iowa lost, they were going to blow Oklahoma to second. Um, and move Cincinnati, keep Cincinnati at third. I've seen that. I've seen uh, the AP do that before where they kind of, you know, I think they've done it with like Coastal Carolina or something like that, where they're like eighth or ninth and then somebody else loses in front of them. And instead of moving them up, they move somebody to leapfrog them. Uh, but they didn't. They put them at number two. Um, shout out to Cincinnati. I, I really like Cincinnati a lot, but more than but a lot, probably a lot of people. I think they're very deserving of that, of that number two spot. Um, so good for them. Uh, I don't, I mean, too low. I look, I don't want to harp too much on Alabama because they are Alabama and you know, they're, they're probably, they, they probably will can, will probably beat anybody in front of them besides maybe Georgia. 
probably pretty much anybody in the top 10, if you put them head to head, they probably beat them. But just in ranking standpoint, I don't think that their win or, the, you know, I think their loss is worse than Ohio State's loss, uh, than Penn State's loss, uh, than Oregon's loss. Um, so, you know, I, I don't I don't really I don't really know how he can be, you know, how they can be number four. But yet, uh, you know, Ohio State, uh, they lost to Oregon. Uh, who's in the top 10. They lost to a top 10 team. Uh, Penn State lost to a top 10 team. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I, don't really, I don't really get how Alabama's four, but they have the worst loss out of the top 10, um, in my opinion, besides maybe Oregon losing to Stanford um, or Iowa losing to Purdue, obviously, but they're not in the top 10. But I'll kinda would, I wouldn't put Alabama at four, but, you know, that's just what I, that's what I think. I would consider a loss to Stanford much worse than AM because if you've seen AM these last two weeks, you know, beating Alabama and the way that they came out against Missouri, I'm going to give AM a little bit more credit. I just think the offense that they had against Mississippi State against Arkansas where I was absolutely abysmal, but they're finally picking up the tempo now. Uh, Devana Chain and Isaiah Spiller are finally picking up the slack for AM. Calzada is finally feeling comfortable in that offense. I think AM is actually, I think they're actually on the biggest right track right now. So I'm going to cut them some slack. Uh, I, I think the loss to AM and that hectic Kyle Phil atmosphere, which I was in, and I was like, that was – I don't know how any team could honestly have won when the atmosphere was the way that it was. Uh, Doug, let's go over to you. You're too high, too low. So let me start with the too low. Um, this team actually didn't even receive a vote in the AP. Talking about UTEP, the miners from El Paso, all eligible for the first time in a long time. It was looking pretty bleak for them the past few seasons, but this is the year they put it all together. Only one loss. Uh, done pretty well in conference. They should get more votes than what I'm seeing here. Like, look, look at here. We have Florida still getting votes. We have Texas still getting votes. You have Iowa State getting votes. Like, come on now. Like, show them in major support. Shout out Liam for that. But yeah, no, UTEP should be at least get some more votes. Um, I'm also happy to see Purdue there, done pretty well for themselves. Like, spoiler makers, man. Purdue, when they face the top two teams, probably the most dangerous team in the country. They, David Bell just was catching everything his way, being a nice playmaker. Cam Allen with the two clutch interceptions at the end. Uh, Spencer Petrus was absolutely garbage for Iowa. Um, we kind of expected that going in, how they didn't necessarily have that good of offense, and it reared its ugly head. Um, in terms of over, oh yeah, one last thing, shout out Pitt for finally being ranked, even though it should have been ranked for like the past three, four weeks, but they're finally ranked, and hopefully they'll beat Clemson, so we don't have to worry about them being unranked again. Um, in terms of overrated, I, it's not, it's, I feel like a lot of these teams are pretty aptly ranked, but I would have dropped Iowa a lot more for how bad they crept a bed to Purdue. Like, they weren't moving the ball as well as they should have. Because out of all the teams that lost, like, that was probably the most embarrassing slash ass-whooping of everybody else outside of maybe Penn State's backup not being able to do anything against Iowa's defense, but Iowa's defense is actually good. But no, losing to Purdue that bad when they've had quarterback carousel the whole entire season, 
yeah, you're not the level best team in the country. Gonna put you down low twenties. I don't even think I ranked Iowa this week personally, because when you guys have when you have that bad of a loss, I tend to rank you. I did the same thing with Oregon when they lost to Stanford. Uh, so yeah, uh, move Iowa further down for me personally. So. And again, you always bring on the negativity, and you won't even deny that either. Oh yeah, no, I'm a hater. I hate everything that's not. You hate you hate Georgia. everything that's bad. Anything that just looks bad, you just hate on it automatically. You know what? They don't even have to be bad. You, they just have to half-ass it, and you're already on them. Oh yeah, no, that's the thing. Like Oklahoma State's the biggest fraud, undefeated fraud team I've seen since that Notre Dame team in 2012. They are some butt, but they somehow keep on winning games. It is that. They have the spirit of Gus Malzahn in them for how ass they are, but they're somehow winning games. They had no business winning at least three or four of those games. They shouldn't have been Boise State. They shouldn't have been Texas, but they pulled it off. Like, I respect it, but they're going to get caught sooner or later. When they get caught, it's going to be ugly. I can see a slide of three or four games happening for them. Should have lost to Tulsa. Yeah, but it's Tulsa. Um, they lost UC Davis. I'm not giving them credit. They'll, they'll they'll look at Ohio State and they'll claim that they'll also should have been Ohio State too. But anyways, that's beside the point. Well, yeah. Speaking of Tulsa, before we move on, that comeback against USF this weekend was kind of you shouldn't be down that much to USF, which is completely that program is completely done. But nice comeback by the way. So shout out to Tulsa for that. All right, I'm gonna go over to you, man. What's uh... I'm a little scared to talk to you right now because I just feel like you're going to rage at any second at this point. So let's just get your overall thoughts on the AP. Sorry. Yeah, my, my internet is messing up. Um, I'm assuming that was directed towards me. So my thoughts for the AP, um, I currently agree with Doug. I think Oklahoma State is way too high. I can't see how they're the eighth best team in the country. Yeah, they're undefeated and they went ugly. Um, like y'all said, they sh- shouldn't have beat Texas. They should have lost to Baylor through three interceptions. Um, I think that they're going to lose to Iowa State next week. And I can also see them losing a couple more games um, till then. On the same note, I think that SMU is a lot better than 21. I would have them above um, NC State, A&M, and Baylor probably too. I think that I think they have a really good football team, which um, sucks because they play my Cougars in two weeks. But I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. And I can see Oklahoma State losing um, three or four games here soon as well. I also think Baylor is also um, – I'm glad to see them back in the top 25 as well. They had a nice win against BYU, and I thought they looked pretty good. So in terms of what I would say, in my opinion, let's just be honest, Oklahoma State is the most fraudulent team. Right now, I'm looking at the top 25 right now, and in terms of top 10 teams, they have the absolute worst point differential at only seven. That's is honestly a huge shocker. I'm assuming that means plus seven per game. Of course it does. Uh, Spencer Sanders, he's going to go pro, but he's not going to go pro in sports. That's just the truth is I don't, I, you know, seeing him play 
this this past Saturday when I was over in Austin, I was like, how the hell is this dude a college quarterback? How did this dude even get a scholarship offer? I don't think I've ever seen such a a non-factor at quarterback for as high of a team as far as like as undefeated teams go in terms for Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders is the most bang average quarterback I think I've ever seen for a six and O team. It was ugly. He had the run game bail him out the whole time. He had the defense in the fourth quarter bail him out. He's not he's not going to be a playoff guy. He's not going to be a New Year's six guy. He's just not that guy. And I think it's just going to catch up to Oklahoma State probably a lot sooner than later. And it really is a shame that they've already played Baylor because I think if you play that game again, Baylor's going to win that game probably eight out of ten times. And I say that with no issue. And now that you got Caleb Williams over at Oklahoma right now, I think Oklahoma's if they were to play right now, even on a neutral field, I think Oklahoma wins that game by fucking hell, 24, 28 points at this point. This is this Oklahoma State team. I don't know how they're undefeated. They're just pulling off these games, and yet it's in the most uncomfortable fashion. I'm not even enjoying watching an undefeated team like that. So they're still my two high team. I think SMU is better than them. Does that mean I'm gonna put SMU over Oklahoma State? Maybe because they're maybe not because they're a G5 team, but I if you put SMU and Oklahoma State on a neutral field right now, I, I'm picking SMU, and I'm not even I'm not even gonna second guess that choice. Now I do have Oklahoma State as my two highs, my two low. You know I'm gonna go off of what Adam said. I'm gonna go with SMU too. They are just the most unbeatable among the most unbeatable offenses that I see in the G5, I think they could go to toe with almost any defense in the country. And funny enough, you did mention they play the Cougars in about two weeks now. I'll be at that game. I am excited. And if the Cougars win that game, I am storming the field, zero hesitation. Uh, but SMU, I really love the receiving core. I love Mordecai. I love Calcaterra tight end, both those guys being OU transfers. Roberson, Rasheed Rice, there's just not enough that you can say about SMU. They did look shaky against Navy, but I really do believe SMU, they give Cincinnati, out of all the teams in the AC, I think their offense would give Cincinnati's defense the biggest test. And if you were to put – and if you put Houston, I still – look, I really like Alton McCaskill. Clayton Toon's really been picking it up. But Sack Avenue at Houston right now, a Cincinnati defense versus a Houston defense, let's say Houston beats SMU in a couple of weeks and goes undefeated in the rest of AAC play. That I, – I, I, think, I think Houston, even though they haven't really beaten anybody since their loss to Texas Tech to open up the season – I think they deserve a little bit more credit. I mean, they've they got the second most sacks in all of FBS. They're called Sack Avenue for a reason. The third ward defense is back for it for Houston. I think that once they can string together a win against Eastern Carolina, East Carolina this weekend, and if they can beat SMU next weekend, the winner of SMU in Houston, I'm gonna call it right now, they're gonna spoil Cincinnati's hopes. I'm just gonna go ahead and just put it out there. So we got some storylines to cover here. Uh, we're gonna start off with Washington State, big news out of Washington State. Came in probably just about an hour ago. Washington State has fired football coach Nick Rolovich for refusing a state mandate that all employees get vaccinated against COVID-19. I am going to back off for a little bit on this one here. Whoever wants to speak first, you may disrupt the piece. He deserves to get fired. 
He deserves not to coach a team in that state. He does not deserve anything else. It's clear. It's a mandate. Like, you get the shot, or if you don't, you don't get the job. He was being a complete ass about it to the media. They're asking them legit questions. He wasn't trying to go in depth. There is a certain level of privacy that does exist, but not in terms of this, because it does. you are the highest paid state employee, and that requires some level of transparency. Um, when it comes to like religious exemptions, for the most part, or personal exemptions, for the most part, this wasn't applicable to him. And he was just being completely dense about it. Uh, for the, like, I feel bad for the kids, mainly because it seemed like they finally bought in to Karolovich um, this week. Like, they beat Stanford, and all the players were happy for him and happy to basically send him off with a win. Like, the players truly cared about him. But in the day, if you really cared about the players enough, you'd get that shot and you'd be back on the field pretty soon. So in the end, he's pretty selfish, not just to him, not just preventing lives from being lost, but also he doesn't care enough about the program to just get the jab. So rest in peace. Uh, yeah, I agree 100% uh, with what Doug said. At, at the end of the day, it, you know, it comes to people in that sort of position. You're, you're, you're in a position of power. Uh, you're in a position of a role model uh, for people and for these kids. Um, and you have to set some sort of example. Um, and regardless of what you think, and coaches always preach um, selflessness, self, selflessness. They always preach about uh, you know, being there for your teammates, being a team player. It's not about you. Uh, mm-hmm. Stop, you know, get your, you know, um, get over yourself. You know, these are coaches preach that. And if you see a, a player act this way and the coaches will, will, will chew that, will chew his ass out and they'll, and will make him do a certain thing or will bench him or whatever the case may be. Uh, this is no different than that, regardless of look. And, not to, you know there's there's obviously people have their own pers- their beliefs and whatever the case may be but this isn't about a, a belief on anything this is facts there's 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 facts about this topic there's facts about this situation that it you're it's it's greater than a, it's greater than yourself you're not just affecting yourself you're you're not affecting your you know uh your personal opinion uh, your personal opinion is not stronger should not care or should not carry more weight uh, then, you know, the greater good of everybody else, because sure, you know what you, you, you get your, you get, you, you don't get the shot, you get fired, whatever, but you, you know, who are you affecting? You're affecting the players that came to your school to, to get coached by you. You're affecting the families of the coaches that you've brought in with you who now have to probably scramble and find, because whenever a new coach comes in there, he's probably going to bring in his own, his own coaching staff, his own, diff, his own, uh, um, different, you know, assistants and all that. So all of the coaches, that were hired, uh, you know, were brought into this program with the belief that this was a long-term thing. Because of his actions, they're now affected by it, and they've maybe, and a lot of them maybe did the right thing. Obviously, they must have because if they didn't get fired, they did the right thing by getting by getting the shot and getting vaccinated and, and getting that the ability to to do the right thing and and continue, you know, your profession and continue being the example for these for these student athletes. Uh, now they have to scramble now and they have to figure out what's next for them. 
because of because you decided that your personal opinion and your pride and your you know political views or whatever the case may be is more important is more important than your job it's just brainwashing man it's it's ridiculous and regardless of what you, and honestly i don't i don't you know if you disagree or if you have to like we're you, you're you're a grown-ass man you know who cares about getting feelings hurt at this point you're a grown-ass man and, oh you have to respect my opinion i don't have to respect your opinion if your opinion affects more than more is, is going to hurt more people but i could Amen. go off of, but i could go off about this forever and i don't want to get too far into it and i don't want to piss anybody off but it's it's bigger stop stop being stop being self selfless stop being selfish um you know stop it's not about you at the end of the day this is the whole this whole situation this whole thing that we have it's not about you and that's what you have that's what people need to realize that it's bigger than you and that's the problem not only in this not only within in the sport in in this situation in this country in the world it's not about you get your head out of your ass get over yourself and do it and that's it listen to the people who know more than you and that's it. No one's going to tell you how to coach a football team. You don't tell people what, you know, you don't tell scientists and doctors and, 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 and experts how to, what, what's right and wrong. So that's, I'm going to leave it at that because I could, I could go off, but I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I'll continue on with what Brian said. Um, if it's, this is very disappointing because a lot of, he brought in, like you said, he brought in so many players and coaches and, they're they're all lost right now, so it's I'm I, I don't want to say I think selfish might might be the wrong word to use because it is his choice, like but it's it's selfish because he did have responsibility for you know his staff and his players and stuff, but it is his body still, so he gets to decide what he wants to do with it. He definitely could have went about it a different way. Um, I hope that he talked with his players and his coaches and um, kind of was less of a dick about it than he was to the media. So he kind of ended that on a, on a better note. I'm not sure if he did. I hope he did, but it's, it's, it's very disappointing, especially because he's, it's, it's different if you're a player versus like, if you're like Kyrie Irving or something, I think it's a little different than where you're the leader of a football program or any, type of big organization so it's um disappointing i don't think it'll be the last instance that we see but that's just the time that we live in right now so all i really would say to it is because i'm not going to disagree with anything that was just said i will agree with adam that that even though it is his body and his choice every time you make a choice you deal with the consequences that's kind of just that's kind of just the way I view it, you know. We live in a capitalist country. People want to complain that capitalism is being destroyed, but you know, capitalism allows the employer to fire you whenever they want to. And in this case, it kind of backfires on him. He's got to deal with it. All I know is that it seems like the vast, I think everybody here is vaccinated and none of us are dead yet. Amen. And I'm not crippled. I'm not having seizures. I'm not spazzing out. I am not. I don't even think I've had a cold since I've gotten it. So, you know what? I'm going to just leave it at that. So we're going to go into the next topic here. Uh, I got to talk about it. 
that flag that's over Adam's left shoulder right now, we got to talk about it. It's a big issue right now. And I'm not talking about the France flag. I'm talking about the other flag. I'm talking about the, the, the team that I went to go see this past weekend. And oh my goodness. Just what the hell, Texas. Adam, I know I've seen you on Twitter. I know you've wanted to rant, so the floor is all yours. Yeah, so uh, after the Oklahoma game, I was optimistic. I thought that it's a young team. Um, we blew that lead, but I didn't expect us to be Oklahoma anyways, so I wasn't too upset about it. During the, during the first quarter, I thought, okay, we're bouncing back, but it's just it's the same game plan when you want to play Texas. All you have to do is run the ball. Run the ball, you force one turnover, you're going you're gonna to win the game. Uh, they play Arkansas. Arkansas ran for 300 yards. They forced a turnover. They won the game. Oklahoma, same thing. I mean, uh, Kayla Williams, he made some, they made some good plays throwing down the field, but for the most part, the game plan was just run the ball. Eventually, you can't tackle. You, you, you know, you're going you're gonna to break one. Last week, and you saw it firsthand, it was third and nine. Just run the ball. You'll get nine, 10 yards every time, you know? Second and 17, run the ball. You get 15 yards. You're at third and two. So uh, we've seen this before with Sark. Um, saw it when he was previous head coaching uh, position. So uh, these aren't his guys. So I'll kind of, I'm not too, you know, uh, you know, burn down the whole staff, but we'll give him some time. As far as the offense goes, I think that a lot of what I what people talk about is Stark's offensive genius. And I think you see that a lot in the first 20 or so scripted plays. They're, they're, they're doing things, they're doing fakes. B. John's playing wide receiver. But when it gets to the second half, I'm, I'm not seeing any of that creativity. It's run a stretch play to B. John, a bubble screen, and then an RPO. And that's not there. We're going to punt the ball. We ran that almost every uh, drive against Oklahoma State, against Oklahoma as well. And that's why we scored 10 points in the second uh, half against Oklahoma. And we scored, what, another 10 points in the second half against Oklahoma State. So seven points against Oklahoma State. So uh, again, these aren't his guys. So um, he, he deserves time, but uh, I, I hope he gets fixed soon because I'm tired of embarrassing myself by saying Texas is back. And I'm not going to be saying that for a long time until I'm given a reason to, just to be honest. But uh, yeah, you know, kind of said it. I saw it. I was over there in Austin this weekend and I don't know what the hell I saw in that second half. I thought first half they did everything right. They were able to spread out the ball more. They were able to give it to Bijan on both on both the run and the pass. And then when it came to third quarter in the beginning of the fourth, they just stopped doing it. I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? Why are you – I mean, he did get a touch on the third quarter, but he wasn't as active in the game plan. And I was like, why? And at the end of the game, he wasn't even the best running back statistically. It was Jalen Warren of Oklahoma State. He was the one that got the 193 rushing yards – I don't know why you just stopped giving the ball to Bijan. I've seen Bijan be surrounded by four players and he still gets to the goal line. Absolutely. 
Bijan is the best running back in college football this season. Why are you not utilizing him as much in the second half? And also Casey Thompson threw an absolute horrendous interception that essentially turned – it was the pick two six. He threw two of them. Two he threw the pick six, yeah. and then he threw a terrible one in the second half. And, you know, then he got hurt, then Hudson Carr came in. But truthfully, I left it in the middle of the fourth quarter because it was probably the best idea to do so. I had to ditch the Austin traffic because Austin traffic is terrible. There's only one interstate throughout the entire city. I don't know who thought of that plan. It's the worst. But, uh, the best part of it. I, I, I just wrote an article about this. It's probably going to be published by the time that this podcast comes out, but I just got done with it about an hour ago. And I'm looking at, I'm essentially looking at everything in terms of culture in Texas right now. When I was in Austin this past weekend, I, I try to get like what the vibe of the town is like. I'm not just there for the football game. I want to know like what the vibe is around the, the college town. And I, and I came out with this highly conclusive hypothesis. I don't even know if I want to call it a conclusion yet. The problem with Austin right now is that it does not feel like a football town right now. It really doesn't. It, it doesn't feel like a football town. It feels like a party town that likes football more. It feels like a party town that just happens to like football. And I'm looking at the recruiting for, for the state of Texas. They're getting blown out of the water by the likes of Texas A&M and Ohio State. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, okay, why are, why are Texas recruits, why are they choosing to go to Ohio State and Texas A&M over Texas? And I'm starting to see why. Because those guys are, those locations, College Station and Columbus, they're football first college towns. When I was in Austin, like I said, it was a party town first and then a football second and there's just something in the culture with, with Texas right now where it does not feel like football is the main priority when it should be. When I was in College Station this last weekend, it was nothing but football. It was a football town that liked to party, and it was the vice versa of Austin. And I've been to Columbus. They're very passionate over there too. So I think right now, and maybe, and maybe Sark is trying to put it together. Maybe he's trying to refix the culture. Maybe it was the fact that when Tom Herman was in Austin, maybe there was a culture that was different because we know that Herman, he liked to be loose a few times. Maybe that culture was still there. I don't know. Maybe for all I know, everything I'm saying is being completely wrong. Please tell me if I'm being wrong. But based on what I'm seeing, it's just, it's just the vibe that I got when I was over there. Yeah, what I will say to that, um, you you're not wrong. Uh, I was born in Austin, so I kind of um I didn't live there. I'm from I've lived in Dallas most of my life, but I was born there, and my my dad went to UT. Austin, it's a lot of people are moving there, so it's it's kind of becoming um a bigger city. So it's kind of like uh like the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of people in Dallas they like the Cowboys, but it's not really like. The Cowboys are more nationwide. Texas, the Texas Longhorns are more statewide than they are localized. Unlike, you know, someone like Texas A&M or because only in College Station is Texas A&M. In Austin, you know, there's concerts, there's music, there's food. There's a lot of different things that people like Austin for. So it's one of the, um, it's just one of the things you have to deal with. UH, we, we have to deal with that too. When UH football is doing well, you know, it's a, everybody's talking about it when they're not, you know, the stadium's empty. Uh, I'm sure USC has to deal with that in South Carolina. I'm sure Miami 
has to deal with that too. If you go to Miami, it's not going to feel like a like a football town, but it's just that's kind of what makes the Texas Longhorns what they are. It's just it's so many other things in that city. And you're right, they we are losing a lot of recruits to Ohio State, which is a shame because we're losing recruits from literally down the street that play at Lake Travis or Westlake, and they're not choosing to. Kate Club, Clubnick, he's currently the number one pocket pass in the country. And guess what? He's going, yes. he's going to Clemson. Exactly. I remember um, Garrett Wilson when he was at Lake Travis. Everybody wanted him at Texas, and we were confused why he chose Ohio State. So uh, hopefully Sark changes that. I would like to have that, you know, small-town college feel again because I think I feel like we used to have it. But like in most big cities, if you're not winning, then nobody really cares. There's other things to do other than football. So if you're not winning, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to a concert or something. So another thing that I was going to say, because I I did want to bring this up real quick, because I did mention this at the end of the article. I brought up a a wide variety of recruits' names. You know, I know Quinn Ewers, he was South Lake Carroll. That's more Dallas, but that's the same thing. He went to Ohio State. Kelvin Banks, I wish we had Dylan, because he's going to Oregon. He's here in Houston. Denver Harris, he's a cornerback out of North Shore High School here in Houston. He's one to look out for, because right now he's split 50-50 on Alabama and Texas. And if he does choose Texas, th- there'll be some switch, okay? You got Jadon Blue, who's part of Klein Kane High School, uh, North Houston, he 10th, 10th uh, running back of this class. He opted out his senior year. Full credit to him. He should have. Uh, he's going to Texas. So it's not like they're missing out on everybody. We know that they're involved. I think right now with Texas, I think the biggest challenge is Sark is trying to sell. I think he's just trying to sell the culture in Texas right now. I think he's trying to sell. I think he needs to sell the UT brand. I think that's the most important thing for Sark to do. You know, he needs to sell the brand. He needs to make sure that when you go to Austin, you're, you're, it's a longhorn town first. And I think that's just what the challenge I used to deal with. Uh, Brian, Doug, y'all got anything to say about this? Yeah. yeah uh, so with, with my thing is, it's, it's kind of what Adam talked about a little bit as well, is that the, the city of Austin, and, and it's mostly big cities as well, where these schools are located. Um, it's a little bit harder. You know, you don't have that small town, college town feel. Uh, there's so much more to do, um, like Adam was alluding to, in the cities. You know, Austin, Miami, uh, L.A., uh, you know, think Boston, those types of towns. It's not like your, your, um, you know, Fayetteville and 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 you know, College College Station, uh, Waco, um, you know, Athens, Georgia, or Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You don't really, it's, it's or Gainesville, Florida. It's not those types of schools. It, that city, those towns that all they have, it's literally the university and then just, you know, everything else around it. Um, so it is harder. I think it is harder for a school like UT, uh, you know, to kind of have that pull because of, 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 of that situation, but to be, to also for the fact that UT is the, is the, is the name school in Texas, right? So that's the school that, Everybody wants to wants to you know every every person in in in, in Texas uh, unless you either live unless you live close to A and M or 
Texas State or I mean Texas Tech or Baylor, you know, you're gonna cheer for UT. You walk in down the street, you ask nine of ten, you ask ten people who their favorite college football team, and at least half or more are gonna say UT. So, um, yeah, and it's just an identity crisis, in my opinion. I think we're trying to figure out what Texas is at the moment. You know, they're 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 kind of in purgatory. They're too good to to they're 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 too good. Um, to be like this, but they're not good enough to compete. Uh, so it's, they're kind of in that situation. We talk about is Texas back? Is Texas back? Is Texas back? And then we need to pump the brakes on that. And just kind of let them figure it out, you know. So uh, I think Sark, you know, Sark is in a good position. I think, yeah, they've lost some games, but uh, like Adam said, these are not his. This isn't his team. This is these aren't his guys. In college, you have to give a coach. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago um, when they lost to. Uh, uh, when they lost to Arkansas, I think I, t- I talked about it then, that you have to give these coaches a couple of years. Um, Kirby Smart, when he went eight and five his first year at Georgia, uh, you know, so you got to give him time. Uh, I think I think uh, Nick Saban went like seven and six or something at Alabama his first year too. So you have to give him time. You have to give him a couple of years to, to kind of get his recruiting guys in and everything like that. And talk about recruiting, the SEC – on that logo, the SEC logo on that field is going to attract recruits. That you know, so you then you can have a, a Quinn Ewers might not go to you Ohio State. They, you know, they might not go to uh, to Clemson because they have. You know, you, you you're going to go to a school that's in the SEC because in the Big Twelve you lose one game, you're pretty much out. If you go yeah. to the Big Ten, you can lose it. You, Ohio State can still lose a game and still make the college football playoff. Alabama loses the game, they're still in the college football playoff. So. You know, with with Texas moving to the SEC in a couple of years and, and having that recruiting class, and you're starting to have that ability to recruit that when you recruit players at this point in time, this coming off this coming recruiting cycle, you can start bringing, you can start using that as a recruiting tool. Say, hey, you know, to your second year, by the time you're a junior, we're in the SEC. Uh, so you know that I think they'll be okay. Uh, but when we talk about Texas is back, University of Texas is back. And, but it's not the University of Texas we're thinking of. The University of Texas at San Antonio is back. So go runners, because they are the only they are the they are the only school in the UT system that's ranked. So Congrats, how about that? Runners. How about them runners? Sincere McCormick, what a legend! Literally the first play that we saw when we got into Alamo Dome, it was like end of the first. Yeah, it was the end of the first, close to the end of the first. That dude runs it for 81 yards like it's no big deal, man. And honestly, man, one reason why I love college football, man, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. I got to see Rice get smacked twice in person this year, 44-7 to at Rice Stadium against U of H, and I got to see him get smacked 45 nothing here at UTSA. I'm a happy man. This was a glorious day. One of the best seasons of my life just because of that in general. I love it. Uh, and you know what? Huge shout out to UTSA. It's it's not just the fact of them getting ranked. I was shocked to see the home support that they got there in the Alamo Dome. It was loud. It was packed. It was it was more energetic than Daryl K. Royal Stadium was earlier that day. And I am saying that even the dog agrees with it. I don't know if he agrees or if he's pissed off, but it's one of the two. But this home support's amazing. 
the the fact that they've really grown over the last 10 years this and the fact that they're getting that they're about to submit their application to join the AAC the athletic the American Athletic Conference huge huge props to them huge shout out to Jeff Trailer the way that he's able to to elevate the program Frank Harris who loves the lefty that wears number 0 he's doing phenomenal since Sir McCormick probably a top 5 running back in the country Rashad Wisdom hard-hitting safety i think he's gonna do things at the next level too and this san antonio defense if you have not seen the san antonio defense just watch them they they they're all over the field they're aggressive they had more they had a stat on the scoreboard that they had more interception return yards than rice had total offensive yards god damn whoever Whoever plays UTSA, because I think UTSA, I think they're going to sweep the Conference USA, no issue. I think they're going to win the Conference USA game. Lord knows what what their final ranking is going to be whenever the final playoff rankings come in. Whoever they play in a bowl game, and it's not going to be a New Year's Six Bowl. It's going to be some freaking not beef old Brady, not little Caesars, but something a little bit higher than that. We'll see what it is. Maybe I don't know what the whole – conference that large system is entirely but whoever they play guess what they're going to be surprised how does vegas? the team I'd, I'd go to vegas i I'd, i would i would seriously travel to vegas to to see the play there or for you know i don't know how highly regarded the fresco bowl is necessarily but you know i just do not think they're going to get enough credit by the media it's taken this long we're seven weeks seven games into the season they're finally getting the rank I, I just think they're being lowballed a lot right now. And there's a lot of talent on that team. So huge prop to UCF to UTSA. Uh, I'm excited for what they're going to do for the season and even for the future, man. I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do in the, uh, in the AAC if they get that bid. I, I see them going through a path like TCU did, uh, you know, where they kind of just made it wait kind of because they've done this very quickly, uh, very mm-hmm. quickly. And there's teams, you know, there's teams. Texas State has been a, a football team longer than UTSA has, and they're they're stuck in the South Sun, sun Belt. You know, they there. Um, so the fact that they've been able to do it so quickly, uh, they go from no no team to ranked in ten years, and now they're joining, uh, you know, a, a high G five conference in the ACC, the AAC. You know, the sky's the limit. Um, you know, so good for them. I, I'm very happy. I remember going to a game. I remember four or five years ago, uh, if you buy a Pizza Hut meal deal from Pizza Hut, you get two free tickets to a UTSA football game and you go and you sit and there's 30 people there. uh, And it was against Southwest Mississippi College Northwest. And it was just just to see that, you know, four or five years ago to now where they're playing Memphis and they're playing – you know, they, you know, they're playing, uh, they're beating Rice. For, I think they, if I remember correctly, I think they played Rice like four, three or four years ago when they lost like 40 something to three or something like that. They got blown out by Rice. And to come back now and beat them 45 nothing and be ranked and beat in Illinois and beat Memphis and, you know, teams like that, it's, it's very special. Uh, and, and a lot of credit goes to Jeff Trailer. Jeff Trailer, uh, what he's done to this program and he's bought into the city of San Antonio and he, and I've agreed with this for a long time. And he, he mentioned it as well is that the, the amount of talent that, that that's in this city that goes unnoticed is incredible. And um, you need to start, you said you need to start paying attention to, to, to San Antonio high schools. Cause there's a lot of talent here. 
uh, that goes unnoticed. So, um, yeah, shout out to him and shout out that coaching staff. They're, they've done a phenomenal job. But I, I just hate, I just, I, I just hate that he's gonna get pushed away by you know some some power five team soon in the next year or two. Um, so that's gonna suck when that happens. But I hope that you know as long as he's here, uh, it, it's it's a fun time. So uh, yeah, I'm ready for it and go runners. Fun fact, I just want to throw this out there. UH opens up the season next season at UTSA. I'm already planning on going to that game already. And you talking about UTSA getting knocked out. Guess what? They're going to be playing a future Power 5 school right there, UH, in home ground. So I'm saying that. Oh. Huh? I said, go ahead. No. Like, oh, oh I, I, thought, I thought you said, when. I thought you were about to cry or something. I don't know what you were doing. But anyways, right. you said, when. I said, go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, then why'd you interrupt me? Why'd, why'd you interrupt me, man? I'm just kidding. It took a compliment, dog. <laughs> so what I was saying was, uh, yeah, I think UH, I think they're going to go ahead. They're going to they're gonna beat UTSA over the season next year. But one thing I did want to say, well, we just got done talking about Texas in terms of like Austin being, you know, multicultural, not, you know, a college town, college town. I think when you're a school like UTSA, because I, I thought about this whenever you mentioned Texas State, I think when you're a G5 school like UTSA, I think it is good to be in a major city like San Antonio. I think Houston gets benefit for being in the fourth largest city. When you're a G5 school, I think being in a big city like that does help you. Maybe it only hurts whenever you do get to that power five level. So, because what you said about Texas State, what's Texas State? What town is Texas State? It's in San Marcos. There's nothing to do in San Marcos except go to that little strip mall. The, the strip malls there. There's literally yeah, yeah. there's literally nothing to do in San Marcos besides that. So yeah, of course I'd go to UTSA for football. So over. quick question, like what's the closest thing like area of San Marcos? Like closest like big San Antonio. City? It's like smack, it? smack dab between like Austin minutes. and San Antonio. It's, it's it's thirty minutes to Austin, thirty minutes to San Antonio. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. You you so pass just... San Marcos when you go to Austin from San Antonio. Vice versa too. There's really, honestly, whenever you go from like Austin to San Antonio, it's like nothing. But then it's like you pass up. But then when you go through San Marcos, it's literally just the outlets. And once you go past the outlets, then you're back to nothing. The only reason I go to San Marcos is to hit up their Zaxby's because that's the nearest Zaxby's from here. Damn. Damn. Yeah. They got some really, really salty food at Zaxby's. <laughs> it's good, though. Better than any so, other chicken joint out there. I like Chick-fil-A, oh, man. I think, I think, I think Chick-fil-A is the best out there. I do have a comment about uh, UTSA. I think that they're, they are on the right path. I'm still a bit salty that they beat UH and UH's um, home opener of the new stadium. They came in there and they uh, spoiled that. Remember but, that. Um, they they do kind of remind me of what Houston was, um, you know, 10, 10 years ago, back when we had uh, Case Keenum and stuff. That if Brian is right, there's there's a lot of talent in that San Antonio area. One of the big high schools, Cibolo uh, Steel, that's one of the most um, historic high schools in, in Texas. They're in that they're in San Antonio area. If they can build, kind of do do what Houston did. And just try and keep those um, recruits in the city. Uh, I think they can. 
I think they'll be here for a while. And having that moving up to American would definitely help. But that's what Houston tried to do with Tom Herman, and it worked. If UTSA can do that too, if they have the right coach and you know the right program, I think they'll be just fine. All right, let's go to an SEC rival of the Georgia fans here. We're going to go over to Knoxville, Neyland Stadium. Truthfully, I didn't really pay much attention to this game because I just got out of the UTSA game when this game was happening. And when me and Brian finally got out to the bar afterwards, I was just watching the Wisconsin on my phone. So for those that were watching this Tennessee Ole Miss game, I saw the highlights afterwards. I saw Lane Kiffin get, let's just be honest, it was a water bottle filled with dip inside getting thrown at him. He got thrown with golf balls. There was mustard bottles all over the all over the turf. And somebody was talking about SEC officiating. I did see what was going on, but I'd like it more if somebody that actually did see it to touch up on a little bit more. Doug, I feel like you were watching this game so long. So how about you tell us? Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I went to bed at like 8 p.m., so I literally missed the entire game. Old man. I am washed. I am very, very washed. I, I – had started no, I started watching Oklahoma TCU. I saw Caleb Williams uh do pretty well to start off, and then next thing you know, I woke up, it was like 52 24, I think. And I was like, Yeah, that's enough football for me tonight. So I failed the Hawaii test, people. I'm ashamed of myself. It's just uh, unfortunate. I, uh, sorry, Adam, go ahead. No, if you go ahead, I was gonna say, it's just unfortunate when that something like that happens because it kind of takes away from the situation and the moment of, of, of the grand scheme of things, which is Lane Kiffin coming back to out to, to Tennessee um, and, and, and Rocky top. And it's just, it sucks, man. It, it really does because, you know, I think, I think that you kind of, you kind of, it's like little kids, you know, you can all, it, when things, when you do something bad and you can't have nice things because you, every time you have something nice, you ruin it or you break it or, or you can't, you act up. And, and this is kind of those things we can never have nice things. Cause you know, now they're going to, they're going to ban alcohol and they're going to ban all these other stuff, you know, that's going to lead to that. And just cause you, we just, act, I mean, did you, you really, you don't really got to do that, man. You don't have to throw anything on the, like, you don't have to throw things to the on the field. And first of all, it's dangerous. I saw I'm gonna sound like an old old grunt right now because I, I, I understand the atmosphere. It's a big game, uh, it's a rivalry game. It's against your old coach who you despise. But you gotta be better than that, man. It, it, there's no place for that anywhere. You, you know, you could really hurt somebody. Um, you can hit somebody that's an innocent person in the eye or something like that and really hurt them. Um, and it's just it sucks. It really sucks because it takes away from the moment. It takes away from the situation, uh, uh, from the storyline. And, and when a storyline gets, it's kind of like when umpires or referees suck and, and they ruin and they, 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 the, at the end of the game, it's a, it's a great game. And they, it comes down to a call late in the game. And they, they, all the talk about is the referees and it takes away from the moment and from the game that we just watched. And that's what, that's what that happened. That's what that situation did that to me. And it, it sucks. It really does. Cause it, it's, we should know better. You know, we're all adults. Uh, I know we're some of the some of them are college kids, but they should know better as well. Um, they shouldn't be drinking anyway. I don't think you're old enough to drink in college anyway. But um, they'll find just, a way. Yeah, yeah, they do find a way. But I just think, come on, man. I just we're we're better than that. I mean, I guess you know Tennessee isn't better than that. You know, uh, but 
those hillbillies over there don't know don't know left or right. So uh, maybe that's why they they do they do something like that. But um, somebody clipped that. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah, I think that's. I agree with Brian. It's tough. Um, I did. I was. I wasn't watching the game, but I did have the game on, and I remember the, when they they turned the ball over on downs. They didn't get the fourth down or whatever. I was like, okay. And so I go away. I was you know, hanging out with some friends. I turn and look back, and it's it's it was like it was legit thirty minutes of no football. I thought the game was over. I thought I missed the end of the game. So I started flipping to, to something else, and I flipping back to see uh, what else was on. And oh, Tennessee has a ball again. What happened? So it's unfortunate. Um, just a bunch of you know, just spoiled kids who didn't get their way. They weren't happy. Felt like I was watching the USA versus Mexico game. But <laughs> uh, I hope some of those kids. I, I want to see them punished. I don't want to see them you know have a record or anything like that. I don't want them to like ruin their future over one dumb decision, but that that can't happen again. I don't think they should be allowed in the stadium for the rest of the year. And I think the, there's going to be a lot of restrictions on the student section, probably even a limit, and they probably won't be allowed in the lower bowl, I would guess. So a couple of things I did want to bring up. I mean, they tend to just get – the university tends to, which honestly kind of feels unfair because let's be honest, if, if it was up to the university, they would tell these hicks to, to, to not throw anything onto the field – but they just got hit with that quarter million fine. And I saw a lot of AM students and, and grads get on, on Twitter when it happened. They said, like, we got fined 100 k for storing the field. They better get hit with something. Like, well, they did. Okay, you got your wish granted. My question, so I've been to a couple of venues. All right, I've been to, I, I want to bring up three main venues that I've been to. Rice Stadium, Kyle Field, and Daryl K. Royal. Yep. Some, something that these three stadiums have in common is that whenever I went up to the stadiums, none of them, none of those three had metal detectors. None of them had like a security guard outside of like check your pocket or anything like that or bag check that none of these three stadiums did. So I asked a question on Twitter Sunday morning. I was like, okay, why? why is this? And, you know, is this a Texas thing or what the hell is it? Cause, cause the reason why I asked it was because of how are you putting in, how are you getting through security with golf balls and, and mustard bottles and batteries and, and all this stuff? Is, is this just a college football general thing in general where it's normal to not check these things and only a select few do it. I know at TDECU stadium in Houston, yeah, I got to go through a metal detector. I got to put my stuff in those baskets. And as annoying as it is, at least I can reassure with people that I don't have like any weapons on me. When I went to Kyle Field, Daryl K. Royal and Rice, I could have gone in with a weapon and nobody would have noticed and nobody would have saw anything. So does Neyland Stadium, does the SEC in general, do they not do this? Is this a college football thing where most stadiums don't? I mean, this is something that I really want to know. Because now it's really starting to understand of how the hell are we allowing these foreign objects getting into the stadiums? That's just what I want to know. Yeah, as far as the golf balls thing goes, I don't, like, who brings golf balls to a game? That, that has to be something that they planned out. They planned on, I don't know, what else would you do with the golf balls and then throw them at people? 
It's like, so random. Yeah, I feel. I've, honestly, they might have to launch an investigation about that because I feel like that has to be planned. They had to plan to throw those at somebody or something. I don't know. I play golf. Golf balls are not cheap. Okay, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I am not gonna. I am not gonna throw a golf ball onto the field just because I can. Okay, that's not gonna happen. So let's see. What else was I gonna say here? What else do we have planned? Uh, uh, Doug, I know you mentioned it a little bit. Iowa Falls. Guess what, guys? With Iowa falling to Purdue, something great has just happened. An opportunity, a window of hope has just emerged. Wisconsin now controls their destiny. And the Big Ten West, we're gonna beat them. Not with that quarterback. We're gonna we're gonna beat Purdue this weekend. We're gonna beat Iowa the next weekend. Iowa's at home in Camp Randall. I'm believing. We're gonna beat Nebraska. We're gonna beat Minnesota, in Minnesota, and then we're gonna get our ass kicked by Ohio State. I'm calling so, it. So, lay off the crack pipe. You most likely will end up splitting most of those games. I don't even think that the axe is a guarantee this year. We're gonna Minnesota, Minnesota stinks. Minnesota stinks, but they've looked a lot more. Actually, does, I can't does, say does, does, does Minnesota have a top three defense? I know Wisconsin has a bottom three offense. Yeah, but I'm not talking about the offense. I'm talking about the defense. I know, but we've scored more we points on defense than Iowa. we've allowed. Uh, you saw what happened. You saw what happened with Iowa. It doesn't matter. Purdue, they had a one all-time great defense, and Purdue just David Bell just ran a train all over them. Okay, so what if Wisconsin all of a sudden has a great offense now? You know, damn well that's not gonna happen. Braylon Allen, freshman from my hometown of Wisconsin, he just broke out, 17 years old, had 108 yards and a touchdown. Chesman Lucy had 130 yards and a touchdown against an army defense. That just was that led the FBS and all of total defense last year. Our quarterback does not even have to be good. All right. We clearly got two running backs that can run the ball. If we can run the ball in these teams, guess what? And control the time possession, we'll beat these teams. Brian, we've seen this story before. You know, it's not sustainable. That's right. It's not. Wisconsin's made sustainable over the last 10 years. Yeah, but Mertz is probably your worst quarterback. In he's not. He's you're begging for you're begging for Joel Stavey. Like, come on now, let's 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 not lie here. Okay, fine. All right, he may not be Joel Stave. Truthfully, though, he probably is not worse as a quarterback than Alex Hornibrook. Yeah, that's all I got. He's worse. He's All right, so any any main topics that we forgot to bring up? Uh, Coach O uh, officially – That's right, forgot about that. Um, So Coach O is leaving at the end of the season. Um, Bringing girlfriends to practice. Yeah, yeah, he was a wild person. Like, that's – so I think the way the story framed it just made it seem like he was bringing them all willy-nilly and stuff. Like, he probably was, but I'm trying to be nice guy and be given the benefit of doubt. Or we could be brutally honest. Okay. So you know how coaches will bring their kids to, like, camp or something, and sometimes they'll just have them, like, what do you call it, in a day just, like, field punts or whatnot? 
Like, that's what I feel that happened, but at least with the kid portion. Like, bringing girlfriends all over the actual campus, like, interfering with work operations, yeah, he loved. Like, that's just, nah, that, that can't run. Like, as multiple coaches have told us in the past, Bobby Petrino, Mike Price, Rick Petino, keep your personal life and your work life separate. They do not need to mingle. If they do mingle, you will get fired, most likely for calls. I mean, Coach O didn't get fired for calls, but you'll get fired for that. It was essentially Don't... resign or get fired. He was at a crossroad. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I seriously just want to know, like, what's that like? I mean, sure, okay, you got kids fielding punts, maybe catching a few passes, but what the hell are the girlfriends just doing there, man? Like, are they just on the sidelines just doing nothing? I mean, are they just eye candy for the players? That's kind of what I just want to know. So I get it because it's like one hand, it's kind of weird leaving your kids with a football coach, like, without you, like, there. But at the same time, it's like, it's fucking weird. I mean, let's not act like he was such, he was an amazing coach. You know, he, the only reason he won a national title is because he had Joe Brady uh, and and Joe Burrow. Uh, I mean, without them too, you don't win a national championship. You saw what he did before that, nothing much. You saw what he did after that, nothing much. So you're telling me out of the, you had one outlier season in his tenure as, as at, at LSU. Um and that, then those both those people leave, and then you go back to me being mediocre. I mean, it, you kind of the writing's on the wall there. So, yeah, I'm not really, you know, it doesn't move the needle much. You know, he's not that great of a coach, and he's, you know, it, you you lucked into a championship. Uh, he's 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 kind of like Larry Coker at Miami. Larry Coker came into Miami, had those immense, incredible talent, won a national championship, becomes a national championship winning head coach. And, and, I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, you he, he wrote the coattails of, of other people and won a title and, and got himself to a couple more years. And, and you know, you could, he's not a good coach. Uh, so, I mean. UTSA legend Larry Coker. Yeah, UTSA legend Larry well, see, Coker. He, he was like their team. first coach, right? Yeah. He was the first coach, yep. He was our, He still lives here, too. I, I've seen him around. He he, uh, he's a, he was our first. He was our first coach. He, he coached for like five years. The first five years, and then he kind of, I think, he, I don't know if he got fired or retired. I forgot one of the two. Well, he hasn't they coached since. Forced him to, they probably forced him to retire, which and is what should happen eight. to Mac Brown and a few of the coaches out there. So I'm sorry, North Carolina is just terrible, but Miami just sucks the worst. I mean, the thing <laughs> that I see with like Edo, like I'll be honest with you, I was high on Edo when he did one, when he did win the national title. And then obviously last year, Let's be honest, it was not just the fact that it was a pandemic for LSU. They clearly had very bad issues last year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And then I think that's kind of when the questions really started. People would be like, all right, were you just a product of an assistant coach and a Heisman winning quarterback? I mean, yes. kind of kind of is obvious at this point that it was. So now it kind of just asks the question of like, okay, because if you guys remember, I think it was 2013 it was when he – when he took the intern job, when he was the defensive line coach at USC, took an interim job, goes like five and zero, five and one, something like that, and people mm-hmm. are begging for begging for him to to, to be the full time head coach for USC. That's when Sark, who obviously his name comes up a few times now, he gets the head coaching gig. So, hold up, was that was that it for was Sark? 
It was Sark. Okay. It I was, was Sark, sure. and then he got fired, and then it was called, and that's a Grover. So. so, all right. So that's what I was to say. So, you know, now it kind of just makes like wonder, like, okay, you know what? Maybe Coach O is a good interim coach. Maybe he's a good rah rah coach. But yes, unfortunately, that's literally his. Yeah, that's, he's that's a rah-rah CEO type of guy, but if you need him to make any sort of decisions, then that's not his forte. I'll give Coach O this. To his credit, he has chopped and changed, which worked. They dumped Matt Canada, um, kept Singer, and then um, got Joe Brady. Like He was able to make those small adjustments, combine that with the talent that was already on the roster slash transfers, that led to that national title. Same time, however, you got you've hit wrong. Like they replaced Aranda with Bo Pelini. That didn't work. The new hires haven't worked out. The talents on the roster is there. Like you saw that Ty Davis Price damn near ran over 500 yards against Florida. By the way, Todd Gratham sucks, but please keep him hired until after we beat them this year. Actually, keep him hired for it every time. But that's side of my point. Sorry about going on the full Bulldogs little rant there. But um, yeah, Coach O hasn't made the right assistant decisions. And on top of that, so last year I'll give him a pass because one, COVID, and two, pretty much the whole entire team left. And then the ones that were still there checked out, whether it was Jamar Chase who decided to opt out smartly or it was Stingley who pretty much I do think that he checked out. Like he's a great player, don't get me wrong. He's still going to be like the top five overall pick. Like, it's clear, like, you're on top of the world as a freshman. There's not really much else to play for, really. You know the team is going to be worse than it was last year. So, yeah, check out. Like, I don't really play well. But, like, I'll give them pass for last year. Like, they still had that fight, though. And then this year, it's just like, no. Crapped their bed on the road against UCLA. Got spanked by Kentucky, which is practically unacceptable for a level of LSU, no matter how good Kentucky is. So, Coach O's a good rah-rah, but, like, if you need him to be there for three, five years, then he's not your guy. Something I just want to add real quick uh, on on LSU is now you kind of got to wonder, okay, we're going to go ahead and just assume that he's going to take a position, coach, probably a DL coach position somewhere, and that's okay. And also another thing with Coach O is that he probably, if he chose to coach high school, he could probably be the best high school cho- coach in his state, to be honest with you. Because he's a great – he would be – his culture fits perfectly for, for high school. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And I just think right now with LSU, it's like – I just don't know what we're supposed to believe right now because it feels like everybody was banking on them to beat UCLA, which did not happen. I feel like whenever they played Mississippi State and Starkville, a lot of people were anticipating for them to, to, to lose because at that point, Mississippi State was really riding high. Then they lose to Auburn, they lose to Kentucky, which I feel like we kind of expected. And then they pull out this one against Florida, which a lot of people were expecting Florida to beat them. So now I'm really starting to wonder, like, okay, so what is LSU? Where does LSU go from here? Who's going to be the coach? How are they going to approach recruiting? I just think there's so many questions that you have to – to ask in regards to LSU's program in general, where you just do not know what to believe. Well, with everything that's looking is everything that I'm looking at, that I'm hearing 
at least from the internet rumors, Mel Tucker is going to be that guy. It's going to be Tucker, Miranda. Um, those two guys are probably going to be the top of the list. I can't see anybody else, really. I mean, because they both have Southern ties. Mel Tucker obviously being uh, with Kirby at Georgia and then Miranda obviously being at LSU. Both have done great jobs with their respective programs in Baylor and uh, Michigan State. Um, same time, however, like I would, I just still think that both should stay uh, for Tucker's sake. Uh, for Tucker's sake, um, I think John Michigan State is a finish yet. Like they could probably, they have a non-zero chance of winning the conference this year. Um, I don't think that they will beat Ohio State, but I do think Ohio State is not good enough to where they can lose again, and then Michigan State can sneak in to the Big Ten title game. But um, and Aranda Baylor. Honestly, there's a lot of at-large slots in the New Year's Six Open. I don't think that Baylor will beat Oklahoma, but um, I do think that if Baylor does well enough, they can finish season one, 10 and two, and they can backdoor into a New Year's Six. So neither coach should leave, but they probably will because LSU is probably what top 10 job in the country, you're thinking? I was say top so, five. When they're good, yeah, but I'm also trying to like booster because, like, I don't want like for me, like, a top job is I want booster support, but not having to deal with like booster like demands, like heavy demands. Like, for me, Texas would never be a top job, yeah. You would hate the Texas job, man, <laughs> yeah. No, Texas would not be a top job. I mean, you, you can have the resources, you can have the talent pool, you have location, it's just the resources are like it's just a pain, like. Honestly, probably the best job for me out there, like total, like gun to my head right now would be UCLA. You're not expected to win the conference. You're not even expected to win the division warriors or not. They beat USC once in a while, go nine and three. You're in California. Pretty much all your stuff's paid for. Like, and the recruits are right there. And if you're going nine and three, they're going to come to you. Like, not the top, top ones, but you'll get a decent enough recruiting base. So, that's the job. All right, cool. So we just got done talking on girlfriends. We got done talking on great things. We talk about how Wisconsin's going to win the rest of the season and then make it to the Big Ten title game. At least I spoke on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything yeah. that we've uh, that we've I feel like we've covered everything at this point, have we not? And by the yeah. way, if you're listening to this, guess what? Uh, Brian just decided to quit on us on the spot. Great, uh, great work, Brian. You've given up on the team. Just kidding. He, his, his laptop just died, so that's great. Uh, guys, I think we're officially done here. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you made this far out, give us. Uh, don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you, wherever you get your uh, podcasts from. And we'll see you guys on Thursday morning. <laughs>